This is episode 26 of G.I. Joburg, and hot on the heels of Wave 3.5, we finally, for the first time in a long time, are feeling positive about the direction that G.I. Joe toys are taking. But there are always things that we wish we could see more of, and a few things that we wish we could see less of. And the topic for tonight's discussion is exactly which things we want to see more of in the G.I. Joe line moving forward, and which things we could definitely do with less of. Well, the other day, I was looking up some video reviews for G.I. Joe figures, and I came across the review for that G.I. Joe... I like to call it the Turtle Plane. Um, <laughs> What's it, the Ghost Hawk 2? The Ghost Hawk 2, yes. What? Now, I'm sure you guys would have felt the same way, and I felt really bad when I watched this video, but it was a very well-put-together video uh, and a review at that, and this guy was trying to be as diplomatic as he could about this vehicle, and I felt so sad. I actually went, wow, G.I. Joe's in a really shit place, if somebody who loves the line, who's dedicated time to doing reviews, is trying to convince me to like that piece of shit. Okay? And it is... You sure he wasn't in the employ of Hasbro, perhaps? I'm pretty sure he wasn't, because he did give it some negative crits. Oh, what did he say? Well... Garish use of orange, uh, yes. hollowed out bombs. Hell, I don't even scrutinize that thing closely enough, it's so god-awful. I, I didn't even know it had this feature, but the wings actually pop off, not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> they pop off if you put the missiles on too hard. Could you call that a feature? Mm. It's got some stupid piece of string that dangles out the back of it. Which, once you watch Retaliation, makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> yeah, but it looks obscene on the toy. It looks shit. It's it's like a it's a bad play from Hasbro's side. Uh, to my surprise, however, the vehicle was a lot bigger than I thought it would be. It's got a 19-inch wingspan or something crazy like it that. It just makes it that much more heartbreaking. You know, all of all of that plastic went into a steaming pile of crap that only holds one guy. Oh, it could, Jesus. It, it's just such a an unfortunate misallocation of resources. It could have given us something decent. The piece of shit is what it is. Oh well, whatever. But this is what brings us to this topic now today, because Hasbro has done some really fantastic things with GI Joe, and has done some really bad things with GI Joe, and I actually don't think Hasbro really knows what it's doing at the moment, to be honest. I've got a few um, points uh, that I'd like to just bring up and, and put across, as do Rob and Steve, about you know a direction of where the line could go or things that Hasbro has done right now which have offended G.I. Joe as a toy line and offended us as fans and have made it quite difficult for us as fans to embrace the line. It's a pretty bold statement you just made, that Hasbro doesn't know what they're doing with the line at the moment. What do you mean by that, Paul? It's not the first time I've heard you say it. If I go back to a, a more peaceful time... Um, <laughs> And I go into 1992. Uh, Hasbro released this fantastic line of ninja figures. Okay, they were actually very cool. I'm sure a lot of listeners would agree with me here. You know, when you bring up that Storm Shadow, which is a great design, and Dice, which is a fantastic design, and Slice, which is also a really cool design. And these are slightly. What about Nunchuck? Nunchuck is pretty badass too. Nunchuck's the man. He is the man. First person to endorse that camo pattern since Hit and Run. I mean, those must have been the two figures that I lost more often than most. Because <laughs> they're green and they get hidden easily. Green and black, yeah, man. But, uh, but the thing is, these are great figures, but Hasbro did something new. They gave them action features. This broke my heart a little bit, because I had a Storm Shadow that used to make a clicky-click sound, and I had to fight his arms back whenever I wanted to get like a bit of cool, fun playing action going. And this became a, an issue with this line as a whole. But it wasn't so bad. It, it would actually stand to get worse. You were such a discerning eight-year-old. I mean, oh, honestly, when, when the Ninja Force came out, they were the coolest figures ever, and everyone loved the action. I remember people, like, passing these figures around the classroom. Yeah. You know, like... Definitely, oh, they were more popular than drugs. Did you just get... <laughs> did you just get Chibang? Or we call them Tijbang, but... Tijbang. Whatever. <laughs> you know, like, what does he do? Oh, no way, that's so cool. He's no, we call them TJ Bang. <laughs> You twist him at the waist and he whips his arm forward. It was like, what? Wicked. So, dude, you, you judge it a bit harshly for someone who was actually a child at the time and was really the target market for these things. And now this is where I'm getting at. We got that line. It uh, came into our, on, onto our shelves and it was there for a little bit and then it obviously sold out. Then to be replaced by the following Ninja Force line, which included that pink and blue uh, Night Viper 
as well as the well, we never got him actually. Is the snake eyes, the black snake eyes, with that horrible kicking action thing? Paul, where are you going with this man? Um, You're what about Hasbro losing its direction? No, now. I'm getting. I'm yeah. Well, that's he's losing thing. his direction. No, no, no. <laughs> he's lost in the early nineties. No, no, no. Get uh, back to his Paul. <laughs> no, bear with me, and my point is coming, and it's coming hard. <laughs> oh God! Oh, oh, it's late in the day, listeners. And, um, and then they also had that stupid um, line that when you when they got wet, they changed colors, and let's not forget a Star Brigade. The thing is... I, I was offered a Sludge Star Viper Brigade recently. was kind of cool. Sludge Viper is cool. The guy wanted to charge me 40 bucks for a Sludge Viper with no accessories, and I almost took the bait. Oh, my God. So now let's go back in time with uh, young Paul again. The shelves were literally littered with these bleached-out-looking, color-changing ninjas and very badly um, articulated Star Brigade figures. And the pigs were also being warmed by countless Street Fighter toys. Now, this is what killed G.I. Joe for me. Just I was today, I was fantasizing about a Guile figure. Damn it, man. This yeah. got me a Guile. He would have integrated so well with the Joes. And he could have used Steven, his... let him get to his point. Sonic Boom! Sonic Boom! Sonic Boom! <laughs> But the thing is, like, this killed the line for me. I actually used to get to a point when I walked into a toy store and I saw a whole bunch of them. I was like, fuck, I wish we could get some real G.I. Joes. And you know what made me think of that is recently, this last drought that we've had with the G.I. Joe figures, we've had a whole bunch of stuff that's come out from Hasbro, which I've actually purchased. And for the most part, it's got me thinking in different ways. I was thinking, okay, you know what, maybe I'm actually going to stop the line. Maybe I'm just going to stop buying the small figures entirely and just carry on the sideshow. And then I look at the vehicles. I got excited about vehicles two, three years ago. I'm not excited about any of the new vehicles. I look at that his tank. I look at that piece of shit goes talk. And I look at a whole bunch of stuff. And I actually know that kids don't think it's cool either. I know that they don't because the Toys R Us in South Africa, none of the, the shops here want to carry those toys. But they'll carry a Star Wars line because Star Wars does well. They'll carry Ben 10 because obviously Ben 10 does well. And those are figures that have a more limited articulation than the Joes do. They might have very cool licenses, but they're flying. They're doing well. Transformers are doing well in South Africa, but we never see G.I. Joes. And I think it has to do a lot with, firstly, Rise of Cobra. The toys weren't that exciting. Um, no, no, no. Come on, Paul. Yeah. The toys were good, mm. but nobody really knew where they were coming from. Yeah. G.I. Joe, as an icon in South Africa, is dead in the water. True. Even with a film... And the kind of nameability that Snake Eyes had, for instance, it's not going to do anything for the sale of the Doctor or Scarlet. I mean, so many of those toys warmed pegs. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow were easy out the door. But there was so much peg warming going along for the rest of the line and the basic vehicles that I'm pretty sure major retailers like Toys R Us and also supermarkets were very reluctant to put in any orders for retaliation toys, which is why, sadly... For all their merits, we didn't get any. No, true. But then the other thing is as well, younger Paul was at school with other friends who had G.I. Joe toys, and they were buying these ninjas and things, and we weren't passing them along the, the class because I was hearing stories of how they were blowing them up and how they were preferring the core. That iced it for me. I was just, I was actually quite, like, in a way, I was kind of heartbroken as a kid because it's like my favorite toy line. They preferred the core because they were just, you know, shitheads with poor parents. I- <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, these are guys... Some of these kids had more G.I. Joes than I did. You know what I mean? And that's the sad thing. And yes, they were shitheads. I'm just starting to see some of the same signs. Um, for example, we have an abundance of ninjas and an abundance of ninja-focused marketing from Hasbro, which we had with this fucking ninja force and this uh, Street Fighter toys. Don't get me wrong. I love Street Fighter as a license. And I actually got joy from some of those toys. But it's just... It's kind of like the signs, you know, of the toy line's reckoning. You know, it's like revelations for G.I. Joe toys. Because we're getting an abundance of ninja stuff again. We're starting to get neon vehicles um, in, the, in the shape of the Ghost Hawk. And even that um, Cobra boat, that garish blue, red, and silver. Fang boat. The Fang boat. Um, we got none of the really cool stuff from the movie, for example, like the helicopter or the, the hovercraft, which they could have easily done. It took Hasbro a few waves for them to actually release the, the figures that we really wanted, the really good stuff, which... Is really amazing. It's fantastic. There's some great toys in there. And I'm just worried because a side of me is like, well, I hope this isn't the end of G.I. Joe. And I know when you go into his tank, you see the end is now for G.I. Joe all over the place. But I'm really worried that this might be the nail in the coffin for the line. I think they just may, may have actually lost the appeal with the line a little bit. It's cyclical, Paul. And I'll tell you one thing about neon vehicles and ninjas is that 
most kids are not like you and they're not as discriminating as you were. Mm. They lap the ninjas up and they like colorful vehicles with lots of features. And let's not lose sight of the fact that for all its failings as a cool toy or like a toy that washes well with adult collectors, the Ghost Hawk 2 is, for all intents and purposes, a fun, big, colorful plane. And I'm pretty sure... Well, look, I don't speak from any actual sales information point of view. The Ghost Hawk probably did as good business, or if not better, than throwback vintage vehicles that didn't really perhaps have any major draw card to them, like the Snowcats or whatever it was called. The Hound? Wolfhound. (laughs) To be fair, what did G.I. Joe have in the 80s? It had a stellar comic book, which was aimed more for the sort of younger teen maybe young adult market. Not that I think they'd be considered young adult market then, but that's what it was. Then they had a blockbuster cartoon, which was aimed at anybody, most notably kids, on Saturday mornings in the States. That is where G.I. Joe got its its foothold. And internationally, it's found fame in the form of Action Force and many other weird G.I. Joe spin-offs, or that were G.I. Joe, but just had their own flavor. You know, um, And I know this mostly from now seeing all the exclusives and things that come from Argentina and Brazil and in India. Glinda. Glinda. <laughs> now, it's just sad because what Stephen says is actually very true. People have nothing to tie this brand to anymore. So now it's just a toy that is struggling by itself to outsell core, <laughs> core toys, and it has to compete against things that have major blockbuster entertainment uh, backup to it. Like, for example, Ben 10. Ben 10 stuff sells phenomenally well. Why? Because it has a cartoon. It's got a very popular cartoon. And yet, Paul, we've got stellar toys recently released in the form of Wave 3.5. If we don't have these caveats, like, or concessions, I should say, mm-hmm. like the Ghost Talk 2, like the Ninja Heavy retaliation line, how the hell would we ever get quality, cool, collector-savvy toys like the Data Viper? Now, now the one hand washes the other. No, and I agree. No, I totally agree. And that's why, you know, you guys have heard me on the show in the past where I've said, like, I try to buy things that I support so that I can get more of the things that I, I want and that I like. So I, I understand where, where you're coming from with that. But on the other hand, I'm like, is it really that important to Hasbro to produce millions upon millions of Joe figures for the market when they could actually maybe start focusing on smaller numbers, on a smaller mass produ- production numbers? Very much in the same vein as the collective figure craze, like the Play Arts Kai and the Revoltics and all those kind of the toys that are very popular amongst collectors. Um, and like the same can be said for the, the He-Man stuff, but that is only sold exclusively on Matty's website. They, oh, we've spoken about this before, though. Yeah. That toy lines go online to, to die. die. No, true. But the thing is... Like, if you're still getting sales in a supermarket... You're not going to do online exclusives. No, I guess that. Still but, turning that kind of number. But the thing is, how important is it for Hasbro to really have that mass number? Is it really, really working out for them? If they had to do like budget cuts, like removing articulation and removing articulation, I think that was just a sneaky <laughs> move on their part to kind of streamline and cut production costs. You're still getting a figure with your vehicle. It's not going to detract sales that way. It's not like parents will be like, mm, it's a car but there's no one to put in the car so then i have to buy a, a man mm. to put with the car for billy on his birthday no there is a man in there parents mm. are stupid they don't know that the man only has five points of articulation they're just like sweet that's value for money that's a good point thank you um, i know i love hearing that uh, i know you do <laughs> paul i want to know do you have three do's and three don'ts because i do have that's, three do's. i think I do that's what the listeners want to hear most of all what should Hasbro do moving forward, and what should Hasbro not do? Okay, I'm just going to start with my first two. It'll be very quick, okay? Hasbro should release all of the stuff that's in that collection case, in that, um, <laughs> in that prototype case. They should. Why the fuck make it in the first place and show it to us? What, what's the purpose? To, what, to get us excited? Yes, we are really excited. They're great toys. I'd like a Destro. I'd like a Flint. I'd like that. But then on top of that, I'd really like other stuff. Like I'd like the Heat Viper. You know, I'd like the Frag Viper. I'm Paul's very getting worked up. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'd like stuff that we don't have. I mean, how many flints do I have? Okay, three. How many snake eyes do I have? I think I have more than 12. Please, stop showing us all this cool shit and just fucking release it already. Tip of the iceberg, baby. Tip of the iceberg. You know, and, and imagine the stuff we don't see. I mean, mm. and that's okay. I can live with, with the stuff that we don't see. But like Quinn, for example. I mean, Quinn, they showed us Quinn. So everybody's like, yay, Quinn might happen. Then it was, boo, Quinn might not happen. 
Then it was like, yay, Quinn might happen. And then boo, Quinn might not happen. And now we get, yay, Quinn finally happened. You know, so we got him, finally. Well, that gives everyone an ounce of hope that those concept case items might all see the light of day. You know, they're systematically giving those items to us. That Lady J saw production. The Night Viper saw production. Mm. The Buddha yeah, saw production. Yeah, that's probably just like a way of kind of like testing the waters, you know, like almost like a focus group. Mm. Like, oh, are they, would they want these? Are they interested? Let's show them the prototypes. Let's make sure that these might actually sell. And they're going to be slid to us very discreetly over the course of a number of years. Mm. I mean, how long did it take that Quinn to eventually surface? I mean, that was supposed to find its way into the 30th anniversary line. Exactly that. Um, That's a good two years ago. Okay, I don't want to go into my next one right now. I want you guys to like throw in a do or a don't. Um, I'd love to hear your side because I've been talking too much in this one so far. Damn straight. My ear is bleeding from that shit. Wow. <laughs> God, you're such a dick. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know it. You just want to fuck up every conversation. <laughs> Robbie. Yeah. You're choking too much. What should Hasbro no. do? What should Hasbro do not? Um, try not. Well, <laughs> do. Probably. Or do not. <laughs> there is no try. Ah, uh, Yoda. They should do Yoda? No, they shouldn't do Yoda. Yeah. Even though I suppose that could be a nice do is actually, um, but I mean, they can't really because, I mean, they're already doing it in another line. But anyway, I'm getting off. Doing it extremely poorly. I've just seen carded Yodas. The most recent Star Wars wave is awful. Yeah, I'm actually just looking for a bucket while we're talking about that. <sighs> yeah, bucket <laughs> into because yeah. Star Wars. Can you believe it? Star Wars has backslid. The articulation has hit an all-time low since like 1981. <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, Robbie, yeah. let fly. Yeah. Well, basically, I, I have four points, but they kind of break down in, into like two things. I'd love to see more new vehicles. More new vehicles and less mods of old vehicles. And what I mean is, like, it's nice to be able to put your new Joes into the old vehicles, but all they're doing is they're just modifying it. And obviously, you know, as Steven has often said, the scale of the old vehicles which is scale of vintage Joes. Mm -hmm. And by making the space a bit bigger, like, the new Joes just look slightly more ridiculous next to them. So instead of modding old things, just make brand new vehicles. And... Just try and make cool new vehicles. And make them yeah. well. Yeah. A good example, I'm going to throw it in there, Rob, is my Vamp 4x4. I think that is a fantastic example of a great new vehicle. I actually, for once, agree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my. As I love and breathe, ladies and gentlemen. It is a vehicle designed with the modern era G.I. Joe style in mind. Those figures fit comfortably. Their gear fits comfortably. It's not a square peg, round hole scenario. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's purpose-built. The Tomahawk, or Eagle Hawk, I should say, is not purpose-built. It is modified. Yeah. It is retooled. It is repurposed. It is, yes, I'm in agreement there, more original vehicles. I mean, they're onto a good thing. Exactly. The His Tank, the Vamp, these are shining examples of new ideas being executed well and putting something new into the universe. Okay, I am through and through a O-ring vintage G.I. Joe collector. I don't think I'm going to ever find my way back into the modern era. Anytime soon. Anytime soon. I mean, that's just how the pendulum has swung in my collecting exploits these days. But when that pendulum does swing, I know that there are cool ideas in existence, like the new Hiss. It's a sinister-looking, very purpose-built and very modern take on an old flavor, which adds something to the world of G.I. Joe. It looks good, and it it's very Cobra, and yet it doesn't struggle to accommodate modern era figures. So, yeah, I'm not sure. New vehicles. Good. Tick. What's next? Yeah, definitely. So, so as I said, more new vehicles and less mods of old vehicles. Yeah, and another less like, concern with vehicles would be less play features, which, I mean, I suppose it's difficult to say... But, but then, to to a young market, yeah. I mean, also, but then, as you, it kind of seems like Hasbro isn't sure who they're aiming their their tools at. Exactly. You know, they kind of lessen the articulation and they include more play features, which seems to suggest they're going for a younger market. But then they still produce, you know, a lot of updates of older toys that collectors would want. 
lots of awesome accessories that you know that are very small and often I mean kids won't necessarily want or need often maybe even inappropriate for younger children to play with you know especially some of the, the smaller weapons so less play features I mean there's a personal thing you know so that they kind of know more where they're aiming the toys you know it's slightly older market where I will come in with what you said about the play features the new roadblock comes with a very cool backpack that also comes with mouse in the three pack that was released for retaliation now that backpack is a repelling uh, backpack and the problem with it is it seems to have some very interesting features but where Hasbro has taken the time to put in a manual to teach you how to assemble the miniature his tank that comes with Firefly, they haven't actually supplied a manual to show you how to actually use that repelling gear. So it's a gigantic mystery, in other words. It's a gigantic mystery. Is there anything on YouTube, any kind of tutorial? Well, has anyone thing. figured out how to operate that? I haven't looked in the last four days, but when I was looking at reviews of the figures, notably even Justin's review, he wasn't 100% clear on... What it did either, aside from, we know for a fact that it connects to that Ghost Talk 2, and it works with the Ghost Talk 2, but there hasn't been any other vehicle that it connects to really well, other than the Eagle Hawk. You can tell it's not really purpose-built for the Eagle Hawk, but it, it works. It's just, it's a mystery on how it really works. Well, I think G- the G.I. Joe line has a recurring theme of mystery interactivity. Mm. I mean, it all started out with Doc Stretcher. Yeah. Doc Stretcher, apparently fits the dragonfly skids quite nicely. I've I mean, actually seen that. I've, I've seen that in pictures. Yeah, so have I. And I own both these toys. Well, I say that, and it's actually Rob's stretcher from Doc. <laughs> it's Rob's Doc's stretcher. <laughs> Pardon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suppose it does attach. It doesn't seem like it was intentional. But that's how fans have integrated that piece. I suppose it's our plea to the fans out there to demonstrate how they've integrated Roadblock slash Mouse's repelling gear. Yeah. And and I also think that with just with the play features again, Rob, is mm-hmm. I would love to see Hasbro maybe on the box pushing the whole angle of for example on the Van four by four, it's got these ports on the side which okay, you can work out there for the backpack. But it would be cool if they just pushed the angle of wow, new G.I. Joe vehicles, now with interchangeable weapons. You know, that would be great because it does have that feature that um, the the Ghost Hawk from that line, the Vamp 4x4, the Hiss version 2 or whatever they called it, the, the add-on that goes into the Hiss, they all have interchangeable weapons because they're all of the same sockets. I have mentioned this in the previous show. That would be something, if they pushed that angle, that would be great. That's a feature that I like a lot and that a lot of the Joe community seems to have embraced quite a bit, that they like it. But we don't have enough stuff. <laughs> you well, know, they we... haven't exactly put it in lights. Yes. It's kind of a surprise Easter egg. Yeah. That we all sort of pat ourselves on the back when we're like, oh, wow, the Gatling gun from the Hiss looks really cool when I slap it onto the side of the Vamp Mark II. So you're trying to say it's, they should be more clear, they should be better at marketing if they're going to include some sort of features like that. A cool feature especially, because the repelling gear that comes with all of the Retaliation Wave 1 and 2 toys, or not all of them, but the majority of them, it's, it's kind of cool in its own right. But it just, it's something that I think they put too much of a light on when there's other features maybe that they could have done or could have put a light on with regards to the design or to the play features. But yes, I get where you're coming from with the play features and having less play features is a good thing because it stops them from releasing too many spring-loaded weapons, sound attack. (laughs) (laughs) A blight on the line. Or like weird sleds, you know, like Firefly came with that weird Bob sled thing. (sighs) Yeah, that street luge that he can't even connect to correctly. And I've tried other Joes, and they don't work too successfully either, except for Roadblock, because he's the only one whose arms can actually reach that thing. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe playtesting the things before they release them and making sure features are actually worthwhile to do. Yeah. Give me back my 14 Singapore dollars. <laughs> yeah. Firefly sucks. Yeah, glowing arm Firefly. Fuck, what a pain in the ass. At least with that flint that they released from that line, I've used that flint's head and his beret on my newer flint because it's actually a very well-sculpted head versus the so-called Ultimate Waves flint head. So that's pretty cool. So now I at least have a truly ultimate flint (laughs) from the retaliation line. (laughs) Oh, look at you go. Mr. Customizer. Not just that, but it's also it's a positive. I mean, I don't want it to all be negative. I have to try and find positives in the line to make things cool for myself, you know? You have to justify having spent as much money as you have on toys that you don't particularly like. That is also true. Paul, you're a sad case. I am a sad case, but I'm not the only one. No, agreed. I've had 
my fair share of buyer's remorse and try to salvage a toy that I am totally not enamored with. But so that's play features, bro. Right? That's my issues with vehicles. Not enough new ones. There's too many mods. I mean, not too many, but modding old vehicles and play features. You know, I think they're unnecessary. And then to my other points, focus on figures. Well, I mean, obviously because we're done vehicles now. What I'd like to see more of is more updates of old figures, like or more vintage figures. Let them delve a bit more into the vintage line and. Give them more, I don't know, like fan favorites, you know, like that we haven't seen yet. Um, and perhaps done... Like a yeah. Frag Viper. Yeah, like a Fag Viper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, no, I, I agree with you there too. When they did this new Crimson God, it was actually pretty cool because in a lot of ways, this is a new Crimson God. It's like, we know Crimson Gods, but this is a upgraded Crimson God. And the new Night Viper that is coming out, that is a sort of repurposed old Night Viper to a degree, and I know that that's debatable, and I'm looking forward to our review on that figure when it comes out, but it would be cool to see the new Night Viper. It would be cool to see the new Eels, the new Heat Viper, you know, like the modern take on the Heat Viper, the modern take on, on an Annihilator. Mm. At least that's where I'm coming from. I suppose in the same vein as like a Data Viper. Yes. Have Cobra Troops that wash well with that aesthetic. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like we have had the Heat Vipers, Frag Vipers, Night Vipers, everything, you know? But this current generation, they haven't. So yes, they're experiencing new things. But it's also cool for us when we start seeing reimaginings of classic um, troop builders. Like what, the Shock Trooper? Was it? Yes, shock, like the Shock, shock Trooper. Shock Trooper. All okay, <clears throat> well here's my question to the both of you. Now for all intents and purposes, the Shock Trooper is a Cobra Urban Assault Specialist. Mm-hmm. So to my mind, that means he's muscling in on Alley Viper territory. That's correct, yeah. Which do you prefer? Ah, uh, um... <laughs> Because mm. it's, it's the right Shock Trooper is a very handsomely put together toy. It is. I think, but yeah, but that's the thing. At least we have both. No, no. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, well, Rob is endorsing that we see more classic toys made in the modern era style. You seem to be saying you want more modern era reimaginings of classic toys so that they look like they match the modern era aesthetic more, like Data Viper, like Shock Trooper. So, which do you prefer, gents? I'm going to be honest, and I know this is going to devalue my point. I still like the Alley Viper more, but I do think that the Shock Trooper shows us something very cool and very interesting. There is a part of me that wants to embrace more stuff that comes from the, the Shock Trooper camp. But And this is obviously because of my time spent collecting this line. I still love the Alley Viper. The Alley Viper is a personal favorite. So it's very difficult for me to go, oh, okay, this new one's, you know, the Shock Trooper's better. But had they maybe released an Alley Viper, different trimmings, like I've seen guys that have done a fully armored Alley Viper. Or a good example is those heavy armored Iron Grenadiers. Those are very cool. That's a very cool take on, on an existing figure. Do I like it more than a classic Iron Grenadier? No, but I don't dislike it. I think it's, it's a nice addition to it. adds to it. It adds to the flavor. <laughs> you are just the ultimate consumer. You'll buy it all, regardless, indiscriminately. And you, Rob, I mean, short and sweet, Ali Viper, right? Um, yeah, I think definitely Ali Viper, but it's nice that they are willing to try new things. Fortunately enough, we haven't had to decide between the two because they seem to do them both concurrently. Mm. They pander to both markets. The people who want their G.I. Joe line refreshed and looking legitimately you know, modern military, and those of us who want our you know, orange-clad Fanta Viper, Although I have to say, I love the red and black Alley Vipers. Yeah, they're, oh my they're word, quite sexy. I think they're amazing. Well, Alley Vipers got a long history of being redone in different colors, so I don't think there is a definitive Alley Viper color anymore. So maroon works. It's nice. It's pretty. Anyway, carrying on. My other major point is um, less repetition of the same characters. I mean, if you look at the line, which I mean, it feeds into my other one more updates for old figures. You know, there's tons of Dukes and Snake Eyes and Roadblocks and Storm Shadows, and they always seem to be doing little changes that always encourage people to want to buy another one. Mm. But it would be nice if, the, you know, there, there was more diversity in the line. Like, how cool it was to get sci-fi and airtight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Suddenly you have new things will encourage people to buy more. I mean, that's why I don't ever understand why when they make like Spider-Man lines or Batman lines, you get like five different versions of Batman and they expect kids to buy all of them. Oh, don't worry, kids do. I know, I was one of those They kids. do. I mean, so obviously it works and it's working for them. But for me, as a collector, I would want more variety. 
you know, I don't want to earn 20 snake eyes. As far as I know, I think I earned three or four, maybe. <laughs> You're giving <laughs> the game away, buddy. <laughs> and that's, yeah, but still, yeah, three or four versus someone who earns, you know, like all 27 versions of him. Well, and I think... He's into the, to the 50s now. I think he's getting into the 70s as well. Oi. He's just... You see, I mean, there are people who will get them all, but, like, I just want more variety in the line. And also then, not just more updates of old figures, but new ideas. Like, it's nice to always see those old figures. I love seeing, you know, the vintage stories added. But having new ideas, like, come up with new f- characters and new types of Cobra Troopers. You know, like the, you know, what's his name? The Techno Viper. Mm. Oh, he was great. It's like, I was sitting the other day and I'm like, you know what I don't have? I don't have a dial tone. That's because yeah. if I want a dial tone, I have to get some kind of exclusive dial tone, which guys are flogging off online for between 80 and $150. It's not classic dial tone either. It's like a repaint kind of. I think it's the Mission Brazil dial tone. Hmm. But that makes me sad because we don't have a dial tone, for example, in 25th, in any form of him being in 25th. And we don't even have the female dial tone either. I mean, those are two figures they could release. They're There's great. a female dial tone? Yes, the new dial tone is <laughs> a woman. What happened to the old dial tone? I think he died. Well, you see, that's also the thing is that often there are a bunch of new characters, you know, especially from like the newer comics and stuff mm-hmm. that they could be adapting. As you were saying earlier, Paul, there's nothing else that's drawing people to buy the toys. Yeah. They're producing a film every couple of years and that's about it. You know, a little while ago they did try a couple of different you know, cartoon series. Mm. Obviously, they didn't last as long as they would have hoped. They keep trying, but they're not hitting their market. They're not lasting. They're stuck in a weird limbo. Like, um, Renegades was quite popular with older and adult collectors. Mm. Um, and apparently, if I'm to believe what I've read on his tank, a lot of their kids liked it. But, I mean, that's a typical, like, if Dad likes it, you know, I might like it before I'm a teenager kind of thing. But the the show didn't do that well in the States. It just didn't. It, and, and a lot of shows don't do that well in the States, unfortunately. And that's just the timing of things at the moment. I mean, Sigma Sigma actually had a lot of the correct ingredients, in my opinion, and it had a, a, a great animation team doing the, the series. And it had some pretty slick character design, although I'm not the biggest fan of all of Sigma's designs. But I believe the toy line didn't do badly with kids, you know? So, it's weird. The Duke from that toy line is my favorite. Um, the vehicles, they had these really amazing vehicles. That they, but they were too small. Yeah. And, and different scale. And well, the Rolling Operations Command Center was just the right size, if you ask me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that is definitely one of them. Sigma 6 to thank for that. It's just weird, like I was watching Resolute the other day, and again, and I'm just surprised that they haven't gone, hey, let's actually make that a, a TV series. Let's go forward with that concept. I know it's too hectic for kids, but the thing is, there are well, ways... Mo- to... A lot of anime is too hectic for kids, kids but yeah. kids watch it anyway. Exactly. It just isn't shown in sort of the, the most obvious avenues. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not on when you get home from school. It's on uh, later in the evening sometime. I mean... On the other channel. <laughs> but I mean, Resolute is a great direction. And a lot of those figures just makes me sad because those were great, like, reimaginings for their time as well. And there yeah. are a lot of characters there that we just never got figures of. Too bad about the holsters. Yeah, it is a big, big bit, of, bit of a sad one point. But we can get into that one day soon as well. But I agree with what you're saying there, Rob. The problem with that as well is that we're getting lots of, like, for example, dupes and roadblocks at the moment, of which only two have been really worth it, to be honest. And I still, I'm still having problems with that roadblock being roadblock in my collection. It's just weird. It's just not really roadblock. There's been some fantastic snake eyes from that series. The best I've got a simple so- solution for you, man. Just get rid of them. No, no. Huh? <laughs> he's not roadblock. Yeah. He's the rock. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's the rock. G.I. Joe enlisted the rock. It works. Like break, Slaughter. break the fourth wall the fuck down. Yeah. 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 He, he is our Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, let's face it. The rock wasn't playing roadblock. He, he was, was playing the rock. Yeah. True. What I'm getting at is like, we're not getting really definitive re-releases either. Um, we got a really great Storm Shadow uh, now, and we've had a really great Storm Shadow not that long ago. And we've had a really amazing Snake Eyes not too long ago. And we've had a fantastic Duke from the Pursuit of Cobra series. The sort of olive shirt wearing with the armor. That Duke is fantastic. It's one of my favorites, actually. It's one of my favorite Joes, actually. And in the same line, but in a different way, we got that Jungle Duke, which is also just, even though he was a, another Duke, he was worth having because he was a great design. He's a great toy. It's, it's not like 
brown pants Duke will do this, and then like we have green clothing armor wearing Duke with big blue missile launcher here. You know, those are not, in my opinion, like significant re-releases of the figure. It's like we're getting a really great Lady J, for example. She's pretty cool. She's it's just it's a repaint of that scarlet body with a different head, which is whatever. It's cool, but it's not necessarily the most definitive release of that character. But then we've got Airtight and Sci-Fi, which I'm coming back to, and they were definitive re-releases of their characters. And this new Cobra Commander that we just got now, that's a definitive re-release. And So that's a do. Yes. I'm trying to distill a point from all of this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So make definitive versions the- of characters and then be done with them for a little while. Yes. And then make new characters. Don't have the same characters in every single line. Because it does make like, don't sense. go... Okay, this line has to have a new Duke, a new Snake Eyes, a new Storm Shadow, a new Roadblock a new Firefly, a new Beated versions of all of those, and then we can add two figures that we haven't done before. Say, let's do a low light, let's do an airtight. They need to change that, you know, because that's what made the earlier line so cool. That's why Steve can go, oh yeah, no, 87 was a really amazing year, because they released XYZ figures. Why? Because those exactly. figures defined it that year. I'm just They're trying just... to see it from a toy company's point of view. They've got these kind of massive nameability, you know, of... Channing Tatum and The Rock and these sort of Hollywood stars marketing their figures Mm. that if they released anonymous characters or new characters or characters that don't have that same kind of marketability, would they be able to sell? I mean, yeah, but you see, the problem is that you're trying to think about this logically. Like what we've seen up to now suggests that Hasbro has no idea what to do with the G.I. Joe line. (laughs) They don't know what to do with it at all. That's why... you know, I'm in firm agreement. If I may just, at this juncture, actually name my do's and don'ts list, okay. because Please. a lot of these points have been addressed. Some of them I'd like to add a few more cents to. But under my do's, I want original vehicles. So, like you said, like vehicles that are geared towards and manufactured with the modern era G.I. Joes in mind not retoolings of vintage vehicles, which always had the O-ring figures in mind. My other do is that I want definitive versions of characters with modern sensibilities, so they look basically like scaled-down sideshow figures. Once you've made these definitive versions, be done with that character for a while, Mm -hmm. until the next major revamp of the line. Yeah. I mean, that's in an ideal world. You'd sort of have your definitive version of Stalker. That's the only Stalker you're going to get for the next three years. Your definitive version of Snake Eyes... Yeah, maybe there'll be a few every here and there wave, you know, a new Snake Eyes that does something slightly different just to kind of keep Snake Eyes out there because, you know, there's got to be a new Snake Eyes in every wave and then be done with it. <laughs> you know, do a definitive version of Falcon and be done with it. Whatever. Duke, similar thing. Lady J, get him done, justice, and then get put that up. character to rest, which makes space for new characters, which is my third do. So look back into G.I. Joe lore and take out the characters that are really quite striking, added something to the line, and either have not got a figure at all, or have not gotten very often release of a figure. When I look back at the early 25th anniversary offerings, and Wraith was leagues ahead of his brethren. Hmm. It was a cool figure with new tooling, fantastic features, I mean, a flip-up mask and the arm cannons. Okay, his articulation was a little bit limited, but what, like... It got me asking, who the hell is this guy? Mm. This is a cool toy. And, you know, a character worth integrating into your line. Another character that I'd love to see, even though he's just a lab coat wearing dude, so it's an unlikely pick, is Dr. Venom. We've got Quinn. Oh, I'd love that. His kind of place in in G.I. Joe lore is is like mythical, because he was only really involved in the sort of teens of the comic book. But, you know, a lab coat wearing Dr. Dude is like every second scientist that Cobra captured in the cartoon series. So it's not like... It could work. It could, it could be integrated into a vast many sort of play patterns. And it would make me so very happy to be able to play out scenes between the Commando Snake Eyes, a khaki-shorted Quinn, and the maniacal Dr. Venom. It's such a cool triad of, like, unlikely alliance. Mm. They did release a figure like, sorry, like Dr. Venom as an Action Force sort of exclusive thing that they did through one of the conventions. Wasn't that Baron Ironblood? I don't know if it is Baron Ironblood, but it looked like, I mean, the picture I saw, it had a lab coat and everything, but... Was he wearing a face mask? No, he wasn't. 
Yeah. Well, then I, I think I'm going to do some research and find this figure. Okay, so my don'ts. I don't want compromised fan demand vehicles. By that I mean, if you're going to do a Sky Striker, if you're going to do a Tomahawk... Do it fucking right. Do it in a way that doesn't detract from its original incarnation. There are a few things on the Sky Striker that really hurt it. And anyone who just bought the 30th anniversary Sky Striker and doesn't own the original, they'll be like, what's the fuss? This jet's okay, it's a F-14, but it's not really that amazing. And that's because its representation in the 30th anniversary wasn't that amazing. It had a lot of faults, a lot of stupid design faults, which really just hurt it. And like, Paul's sit on his shelf. I don't think he really enjoys his Sky Strikers. And both I enjoyed it with the other day. They're a little bit crap. They are a little bit crap. Yeah. So Hasbro, when you redo things, don't redo them crap. <laughs> don't make your tomahawk out of some Fong Kong cheap ass thin plastic. Make your tomahawk with backpacks so that you can put figures in. You know, so that I don't have to go make my own. Make the seats removable. Because mm. that was a major feature on the original. And it really hurts the remake. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so that's my first don't, and it kind of echoes what you said there, Rob, as well. That like, mm. it's a compromise. Yeah. To, to make to the to make the yeah. original vehicles fine, a new generation is getting their hands on them. I would say there is a very positive practice there because, let's face it, it's not always easy to get vintage toys in the aftermarket. It's kind of a specialized thing, and not all of us are well versed in trawling eBay. So to be able to pick it up at Toys R Us or Walmart or Target, power to them. It's not like it helps us South African kids, but anyway. Uh, but then do it correctly is my little addition to your point. Because, let's face it, something like the modern era claw ain't got shit on the original 1984 covert light and aerial would, weapon. And you wouldn't think so unless you have one of the vintage claws in your hand. Yeah. It's amazing. It just shows up the past in a bad light. The original is a great toy. Absolutely. Okay, my second don't is if you're going to use Frank and Joan to make a sought-after fan-favorite figure, at least make sure it's the best parts available. Mm -hmm. I've often seen custom renditions of characters that have actually been produced by Hasbro using a far superior parts selection. Mm. Now, I assume all of these molds are still in existence and have not been destroyed or lost, as is the case with so much of the vintage tooling. So, come on, Hasbro, don't use fucking 25th anniversary hawk arms when there are better arms to use. I mean, that's, that's a rather uh, poor example. <laughs> <laughs> Look, those arms are still getting use, and it's just, what are you doing? Mm. Were we not in, an, in a big enough uproar about that? Frank and Joeing, from the point of Hasbro, that is done correctly, is, for example, our... Uh, the Shark Trooper, his arms and upper torso and I think the upper legs are used for the Steel Brigade. Um, and Lifeline. And Lifeline. And a whole host of other things. And they are great. They're good arms. They're, They're good don't... basic arms. Everything's yeah. modified nicely by web gear. Exactly. It's the and great it saving great. grace. It's the saving grace of the modern era line. Mm. So make solid part choices and give us accurate web gear and then I'm happy. And that leads on to my third don't, which is when you do replicate classic characters or classic versions of characters in a modern era style, do your best to replicate their weaponry and equipment. Quinn. Mm. Oh, the list is long. Mm. Quinn. It's not like there was a classic figure that they were basing that off mm. of. But yeah, his machine gun is incorrect. Mm. Night Viper comes with a possible sniper rifle and it picks up the green coloring, but it ain't got shit on his original rifle slash grenade launcher. Mm -hmm. And... You know, just extrapolating that. Rock Viper. <laughs> what is a Rock Viper without his cool, repelling grapple hook backpack slash rocket launcher? Exactly. And his sniper rifle, which attaches to the backpack. And his oxygen hose, or whatever it was, optics, that attached from his helmet into the backpack. When they actually do observe the classic gear, it is sublime. Case in point, 30th anniversary sci-fi. Mm. They replicated his laser rifle so nicely and added to it making it silver, giving it paint apps. Mm. They did everything justice. Where it really sucks, it really sucks. And Sergeant Thunderblast. 
Oh, Sergeant Well, no, he's 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 an offender on so many levels. Yeah, yeah, I know. But... Incorrect sort of helmet accessory, bad Frank enjoying. Not even like a varied part selection. He just kind of took Resolute Duke and made him something else. The Rock Viper is a really good example of a serious offender in that the helmet they gave him was the wrong kind of helmet, and clearly from a different figure line because it doesn't fit on his head. It falls. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, all kinds of fail. It's, it's super fail. You know, I even go so far as to say that for all the sort of jazzy stuff they did with 30th anniversary Lowlight, who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a successful nod to the original Lowlight, mm-hmm. I wished he had his classic rifle instead of that jobby that goes into the case. It was a nice, bolt-action, conceivable sniper rifle. They gave him something quite jazzy, but he really couldn't wield it. You know, I wind up giving my 30th, well, not my 30th, <laughs> Rob's 30th anniversary lowlights, the classic lowlights rifle. Because it's a far nicer, more compact, more, you know, let's get down to business and shoot the shit out of somebody kind of rifle. Mm. And that's so irrevocably linked to his old school image that to go halfway is kind of heartbreaking. You're going to replicate the image, but not replicate the gear. Such a selling point of classic G.I. Joe's was their gear. Without it, the figure kind of loses a huge bit of its identity. Like Star Brigade Target without its backpack. And without that cool gun that clipped to its arm. Clearly Hasbro have a long history of just divorcing figures from their classic gear. I mean, Astro Viper without his stuff, also. Yeah. Star Brigade was definitely the original offender. I'm just worried because, like I mentioned earlier in the show, was that I just see a lot of that coming back from Hasbro again. And I'm just scared that it, that really does signal the coming of the end of the line. That does freak me out, because I really love this toy line. A lot. You know, and I love seeing cool stuff. It's a good toy line when it makes you look at a Night Viper and wonder, why does it come with a torch? <laughs> New Night Viper comes with a torch. You know, that's, that's what I thought the eyepiece from the classic Night Viper, I thought that was what it was. I thought, is this a grenade? Is this a torch i can't figure it out i'd already lost the visor by that point so you know i was up the creek without a canoe as it were but still i mean that part stayed with me for a while until its obscurity just led to it being lost but i really couldn't figure it out (laughs) i was an idiot clearly i couldn't figure out my toys they came with all this neat stuff i was like no i'm gonna give him the big machine gun from sonic fighters lore (laughs) and that's night viper if anybody listening to the show has got a Rock Viper backpack, a vintage one, that they want to part and get rid of, please contact Steve on his emails provided on his blog. Because I want to mod one to make a modern It's going to be the most obscurest way of contacting us. <laughs> we have a Facebook page, G.I. Joburg. We also have a Podbean site, gijoburg.podbean.com. And if you want to use my blog as an avenue for getting hold of us, you're more than welcome to, listeners. It's called... One word, a real South African hero. Dot blogspot. Dot com. I was going to jump in with the third point, but Steve covered it with of the Frank course. and Joe. Frank and Joe is a very important thing. It's something that we. It's a reality. It is a reality. So let's make it a better reality than a rock viper reality. Mm. When you do it, <laughs> do it, do it right. well. Thank you, Hasbro. That's all we ask. Yeah, if they have to do it, which they do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's understandable in the market. They have to reuse parts. Yeah, get it, get it right. These being troubled times, I don't think we can do our usual segment on new toys, because I'm just going to be the only one talking. <laughs> I've received new stuff. I just didn't want to mention my Storm Shadow Sideshow statue yet. Oh, shit. I wanted to mention new cool Joe's. It's not a figure. Yeah, that's true. But it is G.I. Joe, and it's a statue. And Major Blood is supposedly arriving soon. Mm-hmm. So that's quite exciting. And there's a new Sideshow Storm Shadow coming out soon as well. That yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a decent analogy for, like, owning a statue of the world's most articulated soldier toy. Sometimes you want a certain aesthetic that the toys cannot give you. Yeah, I agree. I suppose. It's all very grown up, owning a statue. Of something. Yes, I agree. I mean, that's why they make them, so that, you know, guys that actually have wives who don't like their toy collecting can actually sort of be, okay, yeah, it's a statue. That's fine. You're only allowed the one. Then you're like, okay. (laughs) I suppose aesthetically, action figures have all these ugly cut lines and joints and things that to a lay person, they'll be like, oh, that's kind of ugly. 
which is why McFarlane stuff does so well. People hate articulation. If McFarlane actually released unarticulated figurines, like plastic statues, they probably would have done so much better than mm. articulated versions of them. I'm afraid yeah, think- if you're a fan of that sort of thing, this podcast is not for you. Mm. I'm looking at you, Paul. I like statues. I love art. And yeah, that's the thing. Statue collectors, it's about you know the aesthetic. I mean, the more articulation of something that has, the more ugly it is. It messes with the lines. The problem is, is that when you're a 30 year old man and mm-hmm. you want to decorate your house and you want to have things in your house that reflect your hobby, it's very difficult for some people, not us, but for some guys, to be able to have three three quarter inch toys in glass cabinets. Yeah, and there's also that's, something that's, about the scaling as well. I mean, that scale, there's not much to be fascinated by. Yeah. But the size of a statue allows a lot more fascination and ease of appreciation. It also says uh, it's not a toy. There's a huge ego problem with certain people, and they hate it when their collectibles are called toys. I worked in a toy shop, or in a collectible <laughs> store, and Rob, I'm sure you're experiencing this too. If you call yeah. something a toy, watch a customer's face shake a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I would have to call them, you know, action figures or collectibles. Well, dear um, listeners, I just want you all to know that in the company of us, you can fly your freak flag high. <laughs> you can display your three and three quarter inch armada on your kitchen counter. It's okay. Take we like pictures. That. We'd love to see them. We yeah. Too. We do it all the time. <laughs> I definitely want to see uh, some of our, our listeners three and three quarter inch armadas. Actually, that's a good one, Rob. I'd love to see our listeners' toy collections. Definitely. I, Post I the think pictures on our Facebook. I'd love to see that. Please, or you know, get hold of us through Steve's blog. Post links to comments from there or something. <laughs> Some exciting bit of news. I wonder if we should break it in this episode. I uh, think we should leave a teaser for it. I think we should say G.I. Joe Burger is doing something new and interesting and exciting on YouTube soon. <laughs> Well, that kind of ruins it if you say it's on YouTube. I mean, what the hell could we be doing on there? G.I. Joburg's doing something new and exciting on... There's pussy on Paul's computer. It's a paint, what? actually. It's porn. Oh That's my a, god. It's a picture of a shock trooper. And a nice one, I might Oh, it's sexy. Yeah. Nice shock trooper, wow. <laughs> Alright, gang. This is episode 26. Signing off. Yo, Joe! Whoa! Whiskey and rum!